Tappers, what's up? It is the Wednesday edition of the Daily Tap for March 10th. Hope you're doing well. We're going to talk about Aaron Jones being the Malcolm Brogdon of the Green Bay Packers. I have an interesting take there. We're going to also talk about conference tournaments and just having them back and the joy and the just appreciation of this weekend. I think Mitch and I will do a lot about COVID one year later um, because him and I have maybe one of our more regrettable podcasts. So we'll look back at that probably tomorrow um, with Tapping the Keg. And then we'll do ticket story time. I'll talk about the a- the NLCS 2011 Brewers Cardinals. Um, that's a fun little trip down memory lane. To And that will be our show. Um, like I said, I'm really excited for the stuff we have coming out next week. I think it's going to be good. And yeah, Mitch and I in the studio tonight, we're going to talk about Buck's second half mostly. I'm sure we'll do some stuff on Packer. The Packer, sort of where they are right now. And then obviously COVID one year later. All right, but let's do Aaron Jones. So Aaron Jones is obviously the hottest name in the streets right now with the Green Bay Packers. That's the guy we're all talking about. Everybody is all about Aaron Jones. I think it's partly due to the fact that Aaron Jones is a running back. People care about running backs. It's a big position. It matters to people. And also, too, Aaron Jones is a talent. Everyone loves Aaron Jones. Everybody is a fan of Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is a guy that you have on your fantasy teams. It's a guy that you have a jersey of. It's maybe somebody you have his trading card or you have memorabilia from Aaron Jones. You know, trading cards obviously huge right now. And I I have like a bunch sitting behind me in the office right now that I need to go through that my mom gave me. But Aaron Aaron Jones, not Aaron 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 Rodgers, Aaron Jones uh, did not sign the franchise tag. Or the franchise tag was not given to Aaron Jones. The Packers decided not to tag him. It was going to be expensive. They decided not to do that. Now Adam Schefter reported that the Packers were going to work on a deal for Aaron Jones, and that Aaron Jones and the Packers were still working towards that. Do do I believe it? Not really. I think what they might suggest to Jones, and I don't know how Jones, how receptive Jones is going to be to this, is say, look, we will give you three years, $36 million, or three years, $33 million. So you have time to get another big deal. We'll give you a lot of guaranteed up front. And then, but all, but your contract this year is going to be minor and it's going to be backloaded as we expect the new deal, the new cap to be huge in the following years. The cap right now is $185.5 million. It is not big. It's one of the smallest caps in the recent NFL history. And obviously that is due to COVID. And Levante David signed a two-year $25 million deal with to come back to Tampa Bay, and I felt like that was a COVID cap deal. And I think you're going to see a lot of those throughout the year, and whether that is the Packers or other teams who are going to get one-year, two-year deals done because of a COVID cap. And so that's what I think Green Bay would look to do with Aaron Jones. Maybe they tack on that third year to give him a little more safety than just two years. Because as a running back, 
he's probably not going to take this. It's probably unrealistic for me to think through this, right? Like Aaron Jones is a guy who's going to want to cash out. He just had a kid. He wants to establish a future for himself and his girlfriend. I don't believe they're married or engaged. They want to establish a, a you know future. And a, getting a huge guaranteed deal from a team like Jacksonville, Miami, um, I don't know who else could really pay Aaron Jones. I've heard San Francisco. Um, that would be terrible, by the way. Um, but if like whoever gives him that big deal, Aaron Jones is going to then be able to support his family moving forward. And that's really all that matters. And so I am not going to be mad at Aaron Jones for cashing out. Like that, that is not anything I'm going to do. Like you will not find me doing that. And I know Cheesehead TV will pump their chest about, oh, we don't do that either. But I don't need to like tell social media about it. That's the difference between them and me. But the fact of the matter is, is like, yeah, go get your money. And so I'm, I'm not necessarily going to rip apart um, Aaron Jones for just saying, all right, I... I'm gonna like I'm just gonna sort of take take it and run and go and and take a deal with a team that might not be as close to a Super Bowl. Now, if the Packers don't sign Aaron Jones, which I do not expect them to happen, I, I think it's at I'm at about a 25, maybe a 20 percent chance. I feel like he can be the Malcolm Brogdon of the Green Bay Packers. If you remember Malcolm Brogdon, and how can you forget because no one lets us forget that the Bucks decided not to sign Malcolm Brogdon. Now, they decided not to give Malcolm Brogdon a four-year, $80 million deal. For the Bucks, they felt like it was too much money. They felt like Malcolm Brogdon was a luxury. That is something that uh, Al- Mark Lazary, not Alex, Mark Lazary said to reporters when asked, why didn't they go in the luxury tax to sign a guy like Malcolm Brogdon? Malcolm Brogdon's uh, the lack of signing Brogdon has been highly controversial inside the Bucks world. Um, Bucks fans still bring it up when things go wrong, and then people point it as like this is when things went off the rails for Milwaukee by not not re-signing Malcolm Brogdon. That was part of the problem that they didn't bring back a guy like Brogdon, and they had no real desire to. Now, there's a lot of things that are there about Brogdon not wanting to be in the city, not really wanting to be an off guard, wanting to be a point guard, and Milwaukee having no interest in Brogdon being that player. So there are some other contributing factors. Now, also, Milwaukee probably knew his injury history better than anyone else and knew that Brogdon had multiple injuries throughout his career that gave them trepidation of if they really wanted to sign him to this large deal. And they knew their medicals better than anyone else. Brogdon has missed time over and over again. He missed time with a back injury last year. He has been unable to stay healthy. If you think Malcolm Brogdon is a healthy player, you probably also think it's healthy to just down fast food all all week. That's basically how it goes. So how does this relate to Aaron Jones, you ask me? Well, I feel like Aaron Jones can be a similar comparison. I think there are going to be Packer fans if A.J. Dillon struggles. Now, if A.J. Dillon's great, this is null and void. This conversation, you can delete this podcast, right? But if Aaron, but if A.J. Dillon does not get off to a good start or the Packers can't find a guy who can kind of catch the ball out of the backfield, people are going to point to this and say, well, they should have just brought back Aaron Jones. And they didn't bring back Aaron Jones. And it'll be a huge point of contention. And there'll be a huge point for people 
to th- feel like the the Packers are going to regress. And similar to how people thought about Malcolm Brogdon, where it was like because the Bucks lost Malcolm Brogdon, they couldn't be the same team. And now we don't really know because the bubble happened. And I feel like you have to throw out what happened in the bubble versus what might have happened in the actual year. And if the Bucks would have got to the conference finals without Malcolm Brogdon, then maybe it wouldn't have even mattered. And again, it, the point becomes irrelevant. And if A.J. Dillon has over a 1,000 yards and say maybe he's not the pass catcher that Jones was, but he, he has 300 yards out in receiving. And again, this doesn't matter. But if he struggles or he gets hurt or it's just not the guy you expected, then the things about, wow, they should have kept Aaron Jones are going to get louder, forgetting the fact that the Packers really don't have the cap space for him unless he takes an extremely team-friendly deal. So that is kind of how he can, in one part, become like the Malcolm Bride on the Packers. But the other part is the fact that he's not that healthy of a guy. Aaron Jones has had some real injury issues throughout his time. And if I were a team who had a lot of cap space at Jacksonville and New York, I would really look hard at that in Miami. I I would just be like, all right, do I really want to give this guy all this money when there are injury issues almost every year? Jones has not been able to stay healthy. And that's a problem for a running back. And a guy who, like Jones, is short. Like he is not a he's not a bulky guy, and he, and I'm not asking him to bulk up, and that would prevent injuries. But his sort of way he plays football leads to more injuries, and that is a problem. That that's a problem for a guy if you want to sign him to a bunch of money, and that was what the Malcolm Brogdon thing was with the Bucks. They did not want to give Malcolm Brogdon all that money because they were concerned about his medicals. I don't think Green Bay is as concerned as the Bucks were about Brogdon's medicals as they are with Jones, but I do think that it's part of the reason they're not going to give him a huge deal. If he was a reliable back and they could say, we can count on him to play 16 games, maybe that increases the salary a little bit. But again, paying for running backs has not worked out. There is no scenario where paying running backs has made a ton of sense. The Zeke Elliott deal is a disaster. Now, Jerry Jones is Jerry Jones, right? He gives a lot of money. Delvin Cook's deal is looked good, but has it resulted in playoff success? The Vikings did not even get there this year, okay? Christian McCaffrey got a huge deal. Jury's still out there. They're rebuilding. So, I mean, if the Panthers end up getting like Deshaun Watson for Christian McCaffrey, then maybe, yeah, it worked out. Or that Christian McCaffrey is a part of the equation for a new quarterback like a Trey Lance or Justin Fields, then great. I mean, then maybe it does work out for for Carolina. But the jury is still out on these running back contracts that are significant. So Green Bay is doing the right thing, but it's going to come with a lot of criticism. And there are going to be a lot of people that put Aaron Jones in the same sort of bucket as Bucks fans did with Malcolm Brogdon. And it's going to be really annoying. And it's going to be really tiresome to go over and say, all right, look, this team is not X amount of times better with Aaron Jones and that you have to trust and they know what A.J. Dillon can bring to the table. I guarantee you they will bring other backs in. It will not just be A.J. Dillon. They're going to have other guys in that backfield. And so I expect Green Bay to not have Aaron Jones next year 
and to also have to sort of look ahead and hope that it pans out or the, the criticism is going to be very loud. Yesterday, the ACC tournament got started and that was similar to last year, right? The ACC tournament got going and then on Wednesday, you had the first sort of real sort of basketball. You had basketball all day, whether it was the Big East tournament, whether it was the Big Ten, um, you had the Big 12, all these tournaments that were getting going. And then the COVID stuff started to hum. You started to hear murmurs about COVID and whether COVID was something that would should be worried about. And teams were starting to get a little scared of it. And there was so much unknown that by noontime on this Wednesday, it was no longer a thing. It was a different day. It was the, I believe the 12th is the kind of like the COVID day. But the the Wednesday of this week was when everything shut down. And it was just absolutely wild. We didn't know what was to come. We really didn't. And a lot changed. And by the following week, we were all in our houses for the foreseeable future. But I am just so grateful that we have college basketball this weekend. And I'm so excited for Selection Sunday. I can't remember a time that I was this excited for college basketball. And I'm always a big fan of March Madness. Don't get me wrong. I take off of work. I enjoy the shit out of it. I think it's one of the best sporting events we have in our, our sports calendar. But this year feels so much more special. Because it is, we didn't have it last year. It was taken away from us. And we never got it back. For a lot of these sports, we got it back. We got baseball back, even though it was a shit show. We got the NBA back, even though it was a bubble. The NFL was business as usual. But we did not get college basketball back. It just ended. We would never know who would be the title title contender, who would win the title. It was a wide open year. It would have been a wild ass tournament. For Badger fans here locally, they will always wonder what if. They will always, what if COVID didn't happen? Would Wisconsin have made a run to the Final Four? Because they were just the hottest team, one of the hottest teams, if not the hottest team in basketball. For Marquette, it would be, would Steve Wojciechowski have got his first tournament win? Would they have found themselves off the bubble if they would have lost another game? Because remember, Marquette, the, the water was sort of leaking out of that boat. Something that they're used to late in the season. Although this year, it has not been a thing for the Golden Eagles. So the fact that we have college basketball at full throat the rest of this week is so exciting. And it's so great that we can turn on our TVs at 11 a.m. if we're still working from home and watch basketball for the entire day. That we have a tired day of hoops starting today until Sunday. And it is just a marathon. It is an absolute sprint. And it is so great to have this for us. We also have the Players' Championship, which I know is not a part of this, but it's still something that was taken away from us and never really came back. Golf came back earlier than most. And I think for a lot of people, including myself, 
golf became like a, a huge part of our lives and that we sort of started watching golf more and I sort of started saying I need to learn golf more. I'm actually going to be taking lessons with my father later this this year, probably more in April when it gets nicer outside. So to have all of this this weekend is so fun and I'm going to cherish it and I'm going to watch a lot of conference tournament basketball probably more than I did in years past. Same with the NCAA because it was ripped out of me and it was not it was not considered a thing and it's going to get better every day. That's kind of the cool thing about conference tournament week is it seemingly gets better every day and you don't know how it happens, but it's just incredible and it's just so fun that you have sort of this whole slate of games today, tomorrow, like this it's just great this is this weekend is almost as good as the first weekend of the tournament the game the the quality of basketball is fantastic as long as the refs don't screw it up like we saw in wisconsin and iowa you have at least a couple good games a day now you have both marquette and wisconsin in action marquette at two o'clock today against georgetown should be an interesting game the golden eagles as pointed out by some of the bloggers um, for Marquette, like they have an ample opportunity here with Georgetown, who's been all right. And then the following team is Villanova, who's banged up. And could Marquette make a run into this tournament? They probably have to win out to get into the NCAA tournament, but there is a chance that they could at least get a shot at it. The Villanova team they're playing tomorrow, if they win, is not the same Villanova team they played twice that beat them by 20 points or more in both scenarios you have Syracuse who's on the bubble that's 11 a.m that's going to be a very interesting game with an NC State team that's suddenly hot Xavier desperately needs to win if they want to get onto the bubble now Alan Bayakowski of Crack Sidewalks wrote a great blog that I recommend Crack Sidewalks great blog in general they do Marquette as well as college basketball and he wrote basically how if you're on the wrong side of the bubble to start the the tournament week you basically have to win the tournament or you're not getting in you have Duke and Louisville um that's premier game tonight at 5 30 that's fantastic again Notre Dame North Carolina really good uh later later this evening Oh, Wisconsin doesn't play tonight. Sorry. Wisconsin plays tomorrow against Nebraska. Uh, But yeah, you have good basketball on for most of today. And you can just sit back and relax. And the crazy thing is, it gets better Thursday. It'll get better Friday. So if you are fortunate enough to work from home, have that TV on at 11 a.m. and get it going. I think tomorrow it gets going at 10 a.m., which is wild, right? That's right, 10.30. You have Oklahoma State and West Virginia on at 10 fucking 30 tomorrow. That's so exciting, man. I just, I think we we can't take this weekend for granted. And it'll be really fun to watch all the sports as the week's week goes on. Lastly, let's do some ticket story time. Let's go down memory lane with the 2011 NLCS game, Brewers-Cardinals. It was 12 to 6. Uh, the Brewers lost to the Cardinals. It was the last time Prince Fielder would play a game at Miller Park. So let me set this up. So I was a f- senior in college, super senior. It was my last year. It was my fifth year. I was having a great start to my life, or not life. I was having a great start to my year. 
I've argued that 23 is when I peaked. It was a great time in my life. I enjoyed the shit out of my fifth year of college. I would probably recommend to people, if you have the opportunity to go back and work for your school, which is what I did, and do a fifth year, take advantage of it. Do you feel old by the end of it? Yeah, you do feel washed by your second semester. But that first semester is awesome because you just know who you are as a college student and you can just live it up. And it it helped that the Brewers were a playoff team. The Packers were undefeated. That Badger football team was incredible with Russell Wilson. So you had all this going on at the same time. This was the Wisconsin era, which I despise. And it was funny with the Wisconsin era because the Bucks were not considered as part of it because they were just mediocre at best. But Wisconsin was cringy. I hated the t-shirts. I never got one. No one ever gave me one as a gift. I am very thankful that people just realized I wasn't a Wisconsin type person. But the Brewers and Cardinals were playing in the NLCS. Now, I remember that series very well. Um, The Cardinals obviously had slipped into the playoffs. They got in late. The Brewers won the division on, I believe it was the 25th. I wasn't at that game. I was in Eau Claire, but I ended up playing 40 hands with my guy Cappy uh, on a stream with friends in New Mexico, then went out, had champagne. Let me tell you, champagnes and 40s do not mix. And I was very sick. It was one of the few times I puked the next day. It was bad. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the game six of the NLCS. So I get a phone call from my friend Mike. My friend Mike goes, hey, I have tickets for the NLCS game six. Do you want to come? I was like, absolutely. He's like, but just so you know, it's about $175. They're on the third baseline. They're really good seats, but they are really expensive. And so I start hemming and hawing. I think I'm at a Shields, actually. I'm at Shields, which is a sports a sporting goods store for those unfamiliar. So I'm I'm kind of pacing around. I'm doing my Charlie thing and I'm overthinking, just like, God, that's a lot of money. And I'm like 23 at the time. So like $175 at 23 is just a lot of fucking money. So I call my dad. My dad's a huge brewer fan. Uh, my dad is also a frugal guy. And I'm like, all right, you know what? He's going to talk me out of this. Like, no no doubt about it. Like, he's going to definitely make sure that I'm just whatever. He goes, you got to go. He's like, you don't know when the Brewers will be back here. You have to at least go. If you have an opportunity to go, figure out your money, save your money a little bit better, make sure you, you know, you take care of it and go see the Brewers. So with my dad sort of giving me that approval that I, I didn't really need my dad's approval, but you know, do you know those situations, especially when you're younger, that you just need that second person to tell you to go do something? That was what I needed. So I, I say, all right, I'm in. So I'm like, I'm going to drive down Saturday. We can party Saturday night and then the game's on Sunday and I'll just miss class on Monday because the game was like Sunday night. So I then go down to Milwaukee. It is a beautiful drive. One of my, the drive from Eau Claire to Wisconsin isn't great. But Eau Claire, it was a fall day. It was beautiful and sunny. The, The leaves were changing. It was absolutely perfect. And it was just a, and it was no traffic. So it was a picturesque drive down there. 
We tailgate before the game. We're all feeling good. And then Sean Markham gives up four runs in the, in the first inning. And it was a disaster of a game for the Brewers. It just did not work out well. They gave up eight runs in the first three innings. And it, I think nine runs, actually. But they gave up four runs in the first inning. They gave up four runs in the third inning. And one in the eighth. It was over before it even got started. That said, it was an awesome experience. And it was funny. And I met, I had dinner with Mike last Saturday and mentioned, like, hey, remember when we got into a fight at the game? Because him and I started bickering back and forth because he was like, he talked about how cool this experience was and how amazing it was to be here. And that me, the sports fan, the person who at that time took things way too seriously because I was 23 and didn't have a lot to worry about in my life was so disheartened and was just so depressed and was like, no, this sucks. And I knew Prince Fielder was leaving. And I, I just was so mad. And I'm like, how can't you be mad? And he's like, dude, this is a great experience. And, and looking back, I should have been more like that. And we, I got over it. Right. But like leaving that ballpark and watching, and we went, we stayed till the end and we watched St. Louis celebrate on the diamond. And I will recommend if you are in the building for an elimination game and it's not your team, get the fuck out before it's over. Just do what you can to not watch them celebrate on your court, on your field, because it is the worst. Like, just leave a little bit before that. Don't watch that because that sears into your brain, and like you're not you're not a player, so you can't like avenge it. You just have to hope your team avenges it. And the Brewers really haven't, right? They got back, which was cool. They also beat the Cardinals to get to clinch the division that year, which felt cool. And they took that division from St. Louis, I think from Chicago too. And so that was cool in 2018. So I do get a little bit of that revenge, I guess you could say. But we haven't beat them in a playoff series. That still hasn't happened because they haven't met since 2011. But that would be the next goal is is kind of win it for that 2011 team, which we're coming up on 10 years of, which holy fuck, I am old. That's It's one of those things, man. When it starts adding up, you're like, wow, that was 10 years ago. So yeah, I, I remember tearing up as I'm leaving the stadium. I had a hoodie on. I had my hoodie all the way up and was just like so depressed leaving leaving Miller Park that night. And we went home, went to bed, and I got in the car and had and went back up to Eau Claire that morning. You know, just and I, I think at that point I was a little bit like, all right, this was an awesome season. This was an amazing experience. This was unlike anything we had experienced as Brewer fans. And so while I wish I was at the infamous Tony Plush, Carlos Gomez game, where which I was sitting on my couch in or my recliner in Eau Claire and just living and breathing on every moment. And I was alone for that. And in a weird way, it was almost better that I was because I was so locked into that game. I, I It's hard for me to think of a game where I was more locked in than, than that one. But I was at the one they lost. It sucked. It is life. Um, and hopefully um, this year or next year, I'm able to go back for a championship game that they win or that they clinch. 
and maybe a World Series game. Who knows? You never know. Baseball, yeah, the Dodgers and Padres are so much better than the Brewers on paper, but you never know once you get into a series. So we will continue to hold out hope. That does it for our show. Like I said, tapping the keg tomorrow. Bucks second half. It's Packer free agency talk, I'm sure. And then we'll also talk about COVID one year later. All right. Take care, guys. Have yourself a excellent Wednesday. We'll be back tomorrow. See you. Bye.